Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Ideas. I'm Nala Ayed. <laughs> Moscow 2020. A team of artists and taxidermists is reconstructing a dead body in the State Darwin Museum. Oksana, the taxidermist, says that when she stuffs an animal, it becomes like her own baby. But who's she stuffing here? Der Moskauer Zoo beklagt den Verlust von Alligator Saturn. Er starb Tous am Freitag. Tous les médias, la Mais pas n'importe lequel, hein. ça serait l'Alligator d'Hitler. Er wurde in den USA im Moskau-Zoo-Park An alligator, who survived World War II in Berlin, has died in Moscow Zoo at the age of 84. Maugajata Gervais and David Zane Myrowitz bring us this documentary about an alligator with geopolitical significance. It's called Alligator Odyssey. In the thick of COVID's dire days, the death of a certain reptile from a stomach ailment at the Moscow Zoo catches our attention. We're already staunch alligator fans. Oh, good morning. Y'all and me all made it back, huh? Bro Bridge, Louisiana. Yeah, we had a great time. Yeah. So what y'all, y'all set up for the one o'clock? No, no, we just... Well, y'all just got off. Oh, yeah, y'all was riding with that crazy man? Yeah, that crazy man. Yeah, man, that dude's crazy right there. Why? Why? He's the fastest boat driver we got out here. He goes this way, wrong, and then that that way, wrong. How fast do we go? Oh, not, not two miles an hour, maybe? Maybe 20. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That sounds more logical. See, John, you're always stirring the pot. Ah, uh, yeah. Leave the pot alone. It don't need to be no. stirred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know me, I like to stir it every now and then with my wooden spoon. It should be a good morning for him. On Lake Martin. Mr. Brian Champagne. I tell you what, their favorite meal is that they could get a hold of it. It's a dog. Yeah, they love dogs, y'all. Yeah, it's 
So if you have a dog you want to get rid of, <laughs> this is a place to bring it. I <laughs> This is one of the safest places you could be. I live in the swamp, I wouldn't move from the swamp. You couldn't show me a safer place to live. La Place, Louisiana. Captain Allen. This water's clean. There's no chlorine in this water. It's clean water. Why would you want to get chlorine? It's chemical. I wouldn't let my alligator swim in a pool. I might kill him. Once we pick up Saturn's story on the BBC, the Discovery Channel, as well as dozens of other highly serious international media outlets, we stay on his tail to the bitter end. Dun, 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 dun. But this is also where the gators will nest. And what she's going to do, she's going to get up on this levee, pile up plants, lay her eggs inside of it, and cover it back up. And as those plants decompose, it's going to form heat to act like an incubator. Now, the heat of that nest will also determine the sex of the baby gator. And usually 76, 78 degrees will be a female. Above that are males. And it takes 56 days from the time they lay to the time they hatch out. And she could have 25, 50, 100 plus babies in the nest once a year. Only 3% of baby gators survive. Nineteen thirty-six, Mississippi. It's a sure bet that a baby alligator, much later to be called Saturn, swims past strange fruit. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar tree. Lynched black bodies swaying in the southern breeze, or black victims with burning tires around their necks. Not the last of the man-made horrors this famous reptile will witness in his long lifetime. Come here, boy. Come here. Come here, girl. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Peanut. What you done, buddy? Hey. Hey, ball. I look for you in the bag, buddy. Peanut. What am I feeding them? Marshmallows. Probably don't know why they eat marshmallows either. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. For now, he's basking in his swamp freedom. Until he gets caught. We know what this could mean. We've also been to see alligator farms, where the animals are cramped in narrow boxes, slithering on top of each other for breathing space, soon to be turned into handbags or belts or holsters or alligator jerky. Somehow, Saturn escapes this fate. was given to the Berlin Zoo as a gift in 1936, soon after he was born in the United States. Okay, 
Berlin. But there don't seem to be any existing documents concerning Saturn's transport from the U.S. So at the Płock Zoo in Poland, we meet up with Marta, a female alligator from Mississippi, even older than Saturn, and we find out precisely the horrific conditions under which these animals were shipped. From the zoo director, Mr. Lewandowski. They crossed the ocean on a merchant ship in a specially built crate with holes. They were watered from the top with an additional hole in the front and a tray with water. To get the animal into the crate, you build a kind of funnel and drive it inside. In order for the animal to enter the crate willingly, it should be open on both sides, entry and exit. As the alligator enters, it sees that there is a light at the end and that it will be able to get out. Well, unfortunately, both entrances need to be closed so that such an alligator can be safely transported. Large reptiles are not fed during transport, and if they did eat something, it could end tragically because they would not be able to warm up to the right temperature. Instead of the digestion process, there would be fermentation, and it could even end in death. One month in a tight crate with its jaws snapped shut and roped. Berlin Zoo was seeking new alligators for public exhibit. It was the year of the Berlin Olympics, when the eyes of the world were upon Hitler and the National Socialist regime that had come to power three years earlier. Already in 1936, Saturn gets linked to political events. Unter der Leitung von Professor Heck aber wuchs der Zoo allmählich in Jahrzehnten zu einem der größten und bedeutendsten Tierparks unseres Kontinents. The zoo director is Lutz Heck. A huge Berlin success story. I'm Clemens Meyer-Wolthausen, a contemporary historian by training. And since eight years, I'm working for the Berlin Zoo. Since the 1880s, its director was Ludwig Heck, a, um, let's say, conservative, um, pro-colonialism German um, scientist, a biologist, who handed over the zoo to his son Lutz in 1933. Heck's dream is to create a Germanic zoo, which would reflect nationalistic nostalgia for a romantic Wagnerian wilderness, including a failed utopian project for rebreeding a long-extinct animal, the auroch, which is supposed to serve as a symbol of Aryan power. 
Near the Germanic Zoo, a Dutch farmhouse was built, obviously an example of Nazi blood and soil ideology. A logo on the gable of this house attested to Hitler's concern for the German peasantry. Also damals war ja die Poesie noch in den zwischen Gärten noch sehr weit vertreten. Also da wurden ja noch romantische Dinge hineingelegt, wo sie vielleicht gar nicht so nötig waren. A zoo full of poetry, as Heck later tells a Berlin radio audience. Now coming from that family, it's not a surprise that Lutz Heck welcomed the regime change in Germany and the new government under Adolf Hitler. Later Lutz Heck joined the Nazi party proper. But its or its strongest connection to the Nazi regime was his personal friendship with Hermann Göring, the second in command um, of the Nazi regime. Hermann Göring supported the Berlin Zoo financially and politically. Immediately after the Nazi takeover, the Board of Governors is rendered Judenrein, free of Jews, under Heck's watch. The Jewish members were put under pressure to resign. And the last of uh, the Jewish members resigned in 1936. By forcing these Jewish board members out, the board created a very clear message to its Jewish shareholders and visitors that they were no longer wanted. After the pogrom of November 1938, known as Kristallnacht, visitor policy follows the trend. From 1939 onwards, they would not sell season tickets to Jews anymore, and that they would put up a sign that Jews would not be wanted near the Christmas decorations, and that they would actually put up a second playground for Jewish kids only. Two, three days later, most public um, institutions would have put up signs saying Juden unerwünscht, Jews prohibited, and so did the zoo. A politically driven nationalist zoo. With Saturn, so the story goes, smack in the middle. A rumor, possibly begun by a Soviet journalist, was that Saturn was Hitler's personal alligator, and it soon became widely accepted, though it was, of course, untrue. However, it is almost certain that Saturn clapped eyes on Hitler as the Führer visited Berlin Zoo several times in the mid to late 1930s. Berlin West 62, 28 December 1939. To our Führer and Chancellor Adolf Hitler, we send our heartfelt and most faithful wishes for a happy 1940 to our dear Führer, in the hope that German weapons will be victorious. At the same time, we enclose an honorary lifetime pass, giving you free entry to our zoo. With sincere admiration, from the Board of Governors of the Berlin Zoological Gardens, Lutz Heck. He wasn't keen on zoos. He never showed interest in zoos. The uh, reports um, of the Berlin Zoo Board show every single visit of a prominent political figure there's no trace that Adolf Hitler ever visited a zoo in uh, Berlin or anywhere else. Yet Saturn is stubbornly referred to as Hitler's alligator in most contemporary media reporting about his presumed time in Berlin.
Berlin Zoo was heavily damaged on the 22nd and 23rd of November 1943. On the 23rd, 764 RAF bombers leveled huge parts of West Berlin, including around the zoo. During a 15-minute stretch that night, numerous high-explosive bombs and more than 1,000 incendiaries rained on the Berlin Zoo, blasting and setting alight many animal enclosures, including those housing the elephants, monkeys, and predators. Lutz Heck, who himself had looted the Warsaw Zoo of its animals after the Nazis bombed it in 1939, and who will later be pursued as a war criminal, now complains bitterly. My father's life work, introducing many new open-air enclosures and landscape improvements, was destroyed. It was our baptism of fire. Fate had dealt us zookeepers a nasty blow. It seemed incredible to me that a zoological garden full of innocent animals could become a target for aerial bombing. Svenja Eisenbach, the current Berlin Zoo press spokesperson, shows us the exact spot where a bomb directly hit the reptile aquarium. Only 91 of the approximately 3,715 animals in the zoo survive. 20 to 30 crocodiles and alligators are killed in the process. The next morning, pedestrians on the nearby Budapester Straße report seeing reptilian corpses lying in the street, thrown over the zoo walls by the explosion. All the same... Saturn and a handful of other crocodilians survived and were found wandering around the city ruins, searching for food. Rumors have it that dangerous animals are roaming the streets of Berlin in a crazed state, and vice versa. Many edible dead animals are being devoured by the starving population. Crocodile and alligator tails are particularly prized, tasting like fatty chicken. Only several smaller crocodiles survived the bomb, which hit the crocodile hall in the center of the aquarium directly. You have to imagine when the bomb hit huge amount of water that now flowed down the stairs of the aquarium into the basement, probably taking with it all crocodiles, all fishes, everything. When the German capital city was subjected to intense bombing during the World War II, the alligators somehow managed to escape as other animals in the zoo died. It was a cold November night and these animals immediately probably froze to death or at least were paralyzed. The zoo had already prepared for a possible escape of animals during bomb attacks and had posts with rifles all over the zoo and also in the vicinity of the aquarium. So from that I actually gathered that no animal escaped that night. On the other hand, the alligator was able to escape from the zoo on the night of the bombing on the 23rd of November, 1943. 
It was only discovered by chance three years later. How it spent this time is a mystery. So, having survived the bombing and escaped from the zoo, where can Saturn be hanging out? There are enough crazy people in Berlin who keep such animals for pets. Perhaps in someone's bathtub? A Mississippi alligator is no longer than one meter twenty when it is seven years old. It's not illegal. Or maybe... Qu'est-ce qu'il a fait pendant ce temps-là Eh ben, on le sait pas du tout, du tout, du tout. Hein. Peut-être qu'il a pris des vacances au bord de la plage pour euh, voilà, reprendre des forces et, et être prêt à affronter de nouveau ce monde qui s'effondrait autour de lui. What's he been up to all this time Well, maybe vacationing at the seaside to get his strength back and once again confront the world crumbling all around him. Or maybe Saturn sticks his snout through the surface of the Spree River ice He could dig a tunnel to protect himself from the cold, as alligators are able to do. Anyway, if he survives three years in the waterways of Berlin, as reported by numerous informed sources, he will surely witness enormous historical events. 1945. The Red Army marches into Berlin. And so do the Allies. AFN World News in the Hour, compiled from the wires of AP and UPI. The four ministers of Britain, France and West Germany are gathering in Paris for consultations on the latest Soviet note concerning Berlin. AFN News from major American networks and wire services is next. Master Control, start rolling, please. Tape rolling? Rolling, sorry. Okay. Cue announcer. This is Invitation to Music. See you later, alligator. It's a good Cold War story as well. It, it plays out in the divided and occupied city of Berlin with Russians, Americans, French and British forces holding each other off um, a city which became famous with the construction of the Berlin Wall. In 1946, Saturn came to the notice of the British authorities. With Berlin Zoo still very badly damaged, the British decided to give the alligator to the Soviets and transported Saturn to Leipzig Zoo in the Soviet zone of eastern Germany. Also, it's a story of survival. I have consulted with our curators. 
they are convinced it is impossible for a reptile to survive a normal Berlin winter in the wild. And the winter of uh, 43, 44 and 45, 46 was very hard. You have to imagine the Landwehrkanal, which divides on the northern and um, the zoo from the Tiergarten parks, frozen over with ice. It is impossible to survive for a reptile that needs external heat to survive. But somehow the fairy tale just won't go away. After 75 years as a POW in Moscow, Saturn passed away back in May. While I know he was an animal, I still think he should be honored. He endured almost 400 attacks by air, a major land attack, only to be ridiculed by his captors. It's a strange but true story, and a very American one. True? Or just a bunch of crocodile tears? You're listening to a documentary called Alligator Odyssey by Malgajata Gerve and David Zane Myrowitz. Ideas is heard on CBC Radio 1 in Canada, across North America on Sirius XM, in Australia on ABC Radio National, and around the world at cbc.ca slash ideas. I'm Nala Ayed. When faced with the complex moral questions the world tends to throw our way, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. My name is Waleed Ali. And I'm Scott Stevens. We're the hosts of The Minefield, an ABC Australia podcast. And each week we try to navigate the moral complexities of modern life in a way that's unexpected, unpredictable, intellectually serious, but more than a little fun. Along the way, we're joined by a range of philosophers and thinkers who promise to help you see the world and the challenges we face in a different light. You can listen to The Minefield wherever you get your podcasts. Saturn the alligator escaped from the bombing of the Berlin Zoo, hid in the canals of the city for three years, and was finally handed over to the Red Army at the close of World War II, the reptilian embodiment of the Soviet Union's resilience and righteousness. It's an extraordinary story. It's a myth. Dr. Maya Wolthausen, our Berlin Zoo expert, bursts our bubble. And I do not believe anything of the myth that Saturn was uh, Hitler's favorite alligator, that he survived the war in the wild of the Berlin urban landscape, and that he later ended up in Moscow. There is absolutely no evidence that Saturn was ever in the city of Berlin at all, much less in its zoo, where there is zero record of his presence. What has been affirmed by highly serious international media turns out to be just... Fake news. From a scientific academic point of view, it's nonsense. And the British Army connection? If a British soldier in the British occupation zone of Berlin, in which the Berlin Zoo was located, found an alligator, which is a precious animal, 
Why give it to the Russians? Okay, let's ask the Russians. Irina, the archivist of the Moscow Zoo, informs us that, unfortunately, their archive went up in flames in the 1950s, including any possible documents that might have concerned the alligator Saturn. Well, how about this? Some animals had been evacuated during the war from Berlin to the Leipzig Zoo, which was later part of the Soviet zone. The question whether Saturn came via Leipzig is an interesting path to follow. So we question Leipzig. Dear sir or madam, thank you for your inquiry. Unfortunately, I cannot confirm that the alligator Saturn made a stopover here at Leipzig Zoo after the war. There is no evidence of this in our records. Back to Moscow. Here's a new track. Dmitry, a curator from the Darwin Museum, claims Saturn was first sent from Leipzig to England and from there on to Moscow. Although he hasn't a clue why the British gave him to the Soviets in the first place. Dear sirs, I have checked our animal record cards for the alligator Saturn but unfortunately there was no record of an alligator being sent from the Zoological Society of London, either to Moscow or to Leipzig. Kind regards. Well, no surviving documents for Saturn's journey from Mississippi to Europe, and no existing evidence of his transfer from Germany, if he was ever there, to Russia. One fact is sure, however. Saturn spends the remaining 74 years of his life in Moscow. The zoo and historians deny the rumors which were spread claiming that the alligator belonged to Hitler. However, Moscow Zoo dismissed the reports and said that animals do not belong to politics and must not be held responsible for human sins. But Moscow wants to keep the alligator non-political. Saturn is the last German in Russian captivity. If people knew what a sensation he is, there would probably be a queue like at Lenin's mausoleum, says Vladimir Kudryatsev, head of the Moscow Zoo Reptile Department. Saturn will only later get his name while in the Moscow Zoo. Right after the war, however, angry Moscovites call him Hitler. People react very negatively to what is presented as a war prize. And it obviously means that the Saturn-Hitler myth is carried with him from... Where? Berlin? Leipzig? England? Somewhere else? You have to imagine... Moscow, the Soviet Union, in the first years after the end of the Second World War. 
biggest sacrifice of all allies was on the Russian side. So the spoils of war they took from their occupation zone in eastern Germany were proof of their victory. So an easy way for a Moscow zoo to attract visitors was to tell that story and show one of those spoils of war and give it even this iconic name. An alligator as a post-war propaganda tool. I don't even dare to say that it was done on purpose. Maybe just developed. Maybe the keeper just uh, started spreading that rumor. But it was, as we would say today, a unique selling point uh, for a zoo struggling to survive in a war-torn country. The point of all this? I'm Zygmunt Dinchowowski, Polish journalist who has covered Russia since late 80s. You would use this poor creature. With the Russians, uh, we would tell them, listen, we won the war, we rescued him, we saved him. This was cruel uh, German crocodile. We brought him here and we re-educated him. He is now a tender, nice animal living in our zoo. This is a success story of Russian soldier only here in Soviet Union and then in Russia. This crocodile prospered. This is like a test for young students who are undergoing training to become Russian propaganda specialists. Listen, our alligator did well, but look at your own alligators. They're hungry. They live in the swamps of Louisiana and they are bitten by mosquitoes. If they're on the verge of extinction, that's your fault. This is the same story like with the anti-COVID vaccine. This is the same story with homosexuals who attempting to destroy our fundamental values such as family and the traditional roles of men and women. Uh, this, this would be the same with crocodiles. Crocodiles will not survive your stupid society, which is destroying everything uh, traditional. has been popular with visitors in Moscow. According to the zoo, Saturn knew his keepers and loved it when they massaged his back and tail with a brush. Oleg, Saturn's keeper at the zoo for 13 years, tells us that visitors threw beer bottles and garbage at this reptilian Hitler. Also because they were angry to find out that alligators in captivity mostly don't move. The luck that had saved Saturn from Allied bombs in the war also saved the alligator from several near-death experiences post-war. In the 1980s, a lump of concrete fell off the aquarium's roof, narrowly missing Saturn. Contemporary reporting about Saturn continues to mix elements of the debunked Berlin legend with well-documented Moscow facts. That Saturn is often badly treated in Russian captivity is attested to by guards allowing schoolchildren to poke him with broomsticks. On one occasion, a drunken zoo visitor throws a boulder on his head to wake him up, after which zoo veterinarians fight for months to keep him alive.
был, наверное, самый разговорчивый крокодил. Пел просто сам по себе, издавал звуки, когда... Saturn's continuing fairy tale grows even more branches in his Moscow captivity. Here, we're told he could sing, inducing all other male alligators and crocodiles to form a chorus around him. Причем для миссисипских аллигаторов этот вопрос изучен лучше даже, чем для настоящих крокодилов. Это привлечение самок. Миссисипи аллигаторы сингают louder than others. Their infrasonic vibes can be heard by others up to 10 kilometers away. Более 10 километров. Their songs are also for calling to females. And right now it's mating season for them, March, April, and May. So we might see some gators fighting. Then they get very, very aggressive, the males, the other males. Sometimes they'll rip body parts off each other, you all, or take another male's life for the female. Sometimes they kill each other, but if they don't kill each other, after the mating season is all said and done, you'll see these males come back together and they'll talk about it to see if it was all worth it. And inevitably, true romance comes burrowing into the legend. In the 1950s, Saturn was given a mate, Shipka, a gift from the United States. But though the pair mated many times, all of Shipka's eggs turned out to be infertile. Oleg now gets involved in the love story. Whereas in the wilds, the female makes her nest and then protects the eggs from river birds. It is far more complicated in the zoo. So he makes a nest for them and claims the reptile couple was okay with this. But there are no embryos in the eggs, and soon after, Shipka dies, and Saturn becomes, we are told, inconsolable. And the saga of Saturn continues to be politicized. In 1993, during a political standoff between Russian President Boris Yeltsin and the Russian parliament, military forces moved past Moscow Zoo, including tanks. One of Saturn's keepers reports that he could feel the vibrations of the tanks outside and trembled in his aquarium. A German men's magazine then takes up the story from there. Turning his scaly back on fascism, Saturn became an old Stalinist school socialist. At the fall of the Soviet Union, he had tears in his eyes, 
when he perceived the shootings near the Russian parliament in 1993, which reminded him of the bombing of Berlin. And on top of everything else, there's his phenomenal longevity. Mississippi alligators usually live to 30 to 50 years. At 84 years of age, Saturn was one of the world's oldest alligators. Maybe it's possible for an alligator to survive under very good uh, conditions um, that long. Though, even in zoos where animals tend to become older than in the wild, that would be a very exceptional age for an alligator. So we ask Marta, the Mississippi lady gator living in Płock Zoo in Poland, who's reported to be 92. In artificial conditions, alligators live much longer than in the wild, of which Marta is the best example. Because an animal 60 to 70 years old, even in captivity, is rare. You can already see her age, because when she gets a cut or abrasion, the wound takes a long time to heal. She has cavities in her teeth. Mata is even a movie star. In the Polish comedy film Hydro Puzzle, she plays Hermann, the German cyber crocodile. They use her as a torpedo to blow up the enemy. Achtung, Achtung, Hermann! You know, here in Louisiana, all we have is alligators, no crocodiles. What we actually have is called the North American alligator. They originated in Alberta, Canada. They came here after the Ice Age. They've been around for millions of years, and they pretty much never changed. But we noticed at one time, they claimed they could live over 300 years. Today, because of man environment, we hunt them. They normally live to be about 150. In his Moscow captivity, Saturn grows old and frail. Saturn will want for nothing until the end of his days, guaranteed by the company that took over his sponsorship two years ago, the French fashion manufacturer with the crocodile logo. He finally croaks and is then skinned, emptied of his insides and stuffed at Moscow State Darwin Museum where he can live happily ever after. If you go to the third floor of our main building, straight into the Zoo Geography Hall, and look for the North American fauna display, you will have a chance to meet a true legend, Saturn the Alligator. In the end, he was sick, skinny as a mummy. The taxidermists worked on the animal for six months. They treated the skin with special solutions 
and made a polyurethane foam dummy for the alligator. Polyurethane, so it's very soft. Он именно такого размера был, <смех> про животное или какой-то чучело. Ну а как же иначе? Именно такого. At the beginning of September 2020, the dummy was ready, and a previously treated skin was fitted onto it. On the Darwin Museum's 113th anniversary, Saturn appeared before the public for the first time. The taxidermy mount was ready with a few final touches to be made. A museum curator, Dimitri, chooses new eyes for the alligator. Made from the finest Russian glass. Saturn's old eyes were yellow, but now a light will be directed at his spanking new ones for night visitors to the exhibit, gleaming bright red. Dimitri boasts now that Saturn looks quite pleased about it all. They even sculpt a smile on his snout and paint over it. In order to restore him to the sunset of his youth. So this beautified, skinned and polyurethane stuffed version of alligator Saturn, standing proud and rigid in its glory, can fit perfectly into the Moscow scene of 2022. It's a very long way from the Mississippi Delta. And these gators know we are coming before we even see them or they see us because they pick up all vibrations in the water. Is he now picking up these current vibrations? February 2022. A special operation declared in Ukraine. A democratically elected Jewish president accused of leading a Nazi state by his autocratic adversary. Almost 80 years after the fall of the Third Reich, Russian President Vladimir Putin still claims to be at war with National Socialism. His stated goals of denationalizing and denazifying Ukraine were, at least publicly, his motivation for a brutal invasion that has already claimed thousands of lives. What's all this got to do with Saturn? I think it's convenient to have a story ready which could attract potentially more interest in the institution, in the museum, of propaganda in times like these with the war on the Ukraine. I actually think that animal is too insignificant to warrant a political propaganda effort. Stalin's defeat of Hitler is the centerpiece of modern Russian history. And Saturn, however insignificant, is somehow part of the spoils of that stellar victory. So, despite all the contrary evidence, the Darwin Museum website today still vaunts all the old fake details of his legend, including his supposed connection to Hitler. 
This museum attendant is explaining to a visiting family that Saturn survived the Berlin Zoo bombing, although nobody knows how. She even adds a new twist of her own invention, that the alligator was found by the Soviets and brought directly to Moscow. No Brits or Germans involved in this version. We have to remember our historical past and historical heritage because this is the source of our national pride. Our fathers won the Second World War and uh, nobody has right to question our historical achievement. This is the main line of the present Russian propaganda and this is effective. And will the alligator in his Darwin Museum mummification once again, as he reportedly did in 1993, tremble from the dangerous rumbling all around him? Brutal attack. Ukraine National Guard blast Russian Ku-52 alligator helicopter by use MANPADS. The moment in which a Russian Ka-52 alligator helicopter was shot down by Ukraine was captured on video, providing a look into one of Russia's most recent losses in the ongoing war. And is he aware that in November 2022, while abandoning the city of Kherson, Russian soldiers run off with a raccoon as spoils of this new war? A Ukrainian website is quick to react. Never surrender. Disgrace till the end. Russian joke is not a joke anymore. Running away, leaving weapons and machinery and stealing toilets and washing machines is sort of corporate identity for Russian army. But in Kherson, they just broke through the new bottom. They stole raccoon. Why Russians stole raccoon, nobody knows. They indeed have weird relations with nature. Енот из Херсона становится символом наших десантников и их побед. История зверька, эвакуированного из херсонского зоопарка и оставшегося. Russian state television immediately announces that the raccoon from Kherson is becoming the symbol of our paratroopers and their victories. As the Russians tell it, the animal was evacuated from Kherson Zoo. A soldier announces. We feed him every day with fresh fish, nuts, sweets, grapes. He lives with us in a trench. We protect him. He goes on scouting missions with the Russian paratroopers, carried in a pouch meant for rifle clips. Very quickly, the raccoon gets his own telegram channel and racks up 42,000 subscribers within a week. He motivates us stimulates us for further victories. Of course, victory will be ours. He's become a symbol of our division. He's our family member. A contest is held to give the animal a name. The option Herson wins. Herson is ours as the Russians still declare after beating a retreat from the city. We airborne troops don't leave our own behind. So the raccoon will stay with us and will defend the Russian Federation.
The Russian weird relations with nature carry on apace. Not so far off, a certain polyurethane alligator may just be remembering all this. The animals in Mariupol Zoo have never been so restless because of heavy bombardment very close by. Around 20 animals have died in the attack so far. Their carcasses had to be fed to hungry predators. At the Mykolaiv Zoo, emptied of patrons for months now by a conflict that has the animals here caged in more ways than one. The zoo, Ukraine's second oldest, has been hit by missiles eight times since Russia's invasion began. And we continue to look at Kharkiv, under constant Russian missile fire, with probably the saddest zoo in the world, now almost completely destroyed. Listening to a documentary called Alligator Odyssey by Maugajata Gervais and David Zane Myrowitz. The speakers were Leslie Malton and Eric Hansen. Special thanks to Dr. Clemens Meyer Fulthausen. Musical passages composed by Dominic Muldowney. Moscow recordings by Dmitry Nikolaev. The sound engineer was Eva Olszewski. Technical production for ideas, Daniel Duval. Our web producer is Lisa Ayuso. The senior producer is Nikola Lukšić. The executive producer of Ideas is Greg Kelly. And I'm Nala Ayed. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.